and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. The Lord is good. I don't know about you, but I want the prophetic. I want the Lord in his fullness. Um, I know I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. Many years ago, I heard a a prophecy. And um, I think me and Kenneth actually talked about it um, by Brother Philip Slaughter. He was making mention of it. That there was a, a word of the Lord that came forward that what God was doing in the earth was the spirit of John. And John the Baptist, when he came in the earth, preached one general message, and that was the baptism in water and the baptism into Christ, pointing the way to Christ. And that God was raising up churches who would do that exceptionally well. And this was years ago. And what we have seen happen in the body of Christ is wonderful, and our church has been a part of that, honestly. Uh, That God was raising up works and raising up things that got a whole bunch of people saved. And, you know, some of that got, even like the Spirit of John, just a a little bit wild in the sense of uh, people, even in denominational churches, and churches that were once denominational, that didn't lift their hands or didn't have any kind of interaction with, you know, the Lord in that way in worship. It was funny, we had one of Reese's friends over the other night, and she was talking about, like, they have chapel at their school, and no one will lift their hands, and it kind of bothers her, because she's been coming to our church some, and of course, there's freedom in worship, and that kind of thing, and she was just talking about why, like, why wouldn't anybody do that? And I said, that's a good question. She's dating this little boy. We, we like him. He's a good kid. Uh, and I said, like, can you imagine if you went out, uh, you know, to the dance with him, go to prom with him, but you never wanted to be around him or hold his hand? Uh, like there, there was never anything in you that wanted to show anybody you were actually in a relationship with him. But you would, you'd be willing to like, you know, maybe, you know, hold hands in private or something. But every time you were in public, you were, you know, almost seemed like you were ashamed of him to show any affection to him. How do you think that'd make him feel? And so I think we had a lot of people, even from what the world would call denominational churches, kind of feel that of like, we ought not be ashamed of the Lord. And so like the spirit of John, a little wild, like come Jesus and like, let's acknowledge him. But after John came the ministry of Jesus and John began to decrease and Jesus began to increase. And when Jesus began to increase, he came in the fullness of God. That it was not just salvation, but it was liberty. I mean, chains were shaken off of people. Captives were set free. Uh, Blind eyes were opened. The lame were walking. It was just a a mighty move of God because Jesus is the expressed image of God. 
And that's what the prophecy was saying is that those churches would come to a place of prominence. That they would come to a place where they would grow. And sure enough, they did, man. I mean, I can remember when, when my, my father and mother were pastoring Word of Life. You had a church of a thousand. You had something. Like you had a thousand people. You had something. Now, all over America, you got churches of, of five. And we're a church of 5,000. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But you have churches, 10, 20,000. You know, that kind of thing. All over America. But I sense something is changing. And I sense something is, is moving over into that where people are wanting something that is more than just the message of baptism into Christ. That there is a hunger for the demonstration of Christ. That we have seen our world get to the place where they want to see the fullness of God in his resurrection. The power of his name breaking through. And this is what I'm getting at tonight, is we must be a church. And, and when I say we must be a church, I mean globally. I'm not just talking for us. I'm talking about every church. Has to come to a place where we have enough light that combats any darkness this world wants to throw at us. And we are contending uh, not just for a good Sunday service, but an experiential Christ. That we are experiencing him in the fullness of his resurrection, in the glory that he wants to bring. Um, in Second Chronicles, in chapter 5, and verse number 11, I want you to notice something here, because we're going to read this and then go over Acts 2, but I'll refer back to this later, so if we can pay attention, that'd be wonderful. Second Corinthians, uh, Second Chronicles, sorry, chapter 5 and verse 11. When the priests came forth, watch this, came forth from the holy place. Where are they coming from? When the priests are coming forth from the holy place. Keep that in mind. Watch this. For all, not some, not one, not two, not three. For all the priests who were presented had sanctified themselves. Without regard to division. So every one of them are coming from a holy, sanctified place. Anyone representing God was coming from a holy, sanctified place to the people. Now watch what happens here. And all the Levitical singers, and it lists all them, their sons and kinsmen, clothed with fine linen, with cymbals, harps, and all these instruments, standing east of the altar... And with them, 120 priests blowing trumpets in unison. So you see a corporate anointing. When the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice. Notice once again, the corporate anointing, not a multitude of voices, but one voice. To praise and to the glorify the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments. And when they praised the Lord, saying, He is indeed good, and his loving kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. Well, what was it? It's a cloud of his glory. So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. What does that mean? The priest couldn't stand to minister. They weren't needed. Lord, let me come to a place where I'm not needed. That God is so in the room, no one needs a microphone. 
I guarantee you, everybody who was in that service remembered it. And they probably went home and talked about it. And they're like, well, who preached? Nobody. Well, why was it so good? God was there. In the fullness of his glory, we couldn't even stand. We sing about here comes the glory of the Lord. I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want to be in the thick of it. And I want us to come to the place where these are more than just things we sing. They are things we are contending for. That out of that, we have a heart hunger that says, we genuinely want to see what God can do. And we don't want it motivated by a kick drum. And we don't want it motivated by how, um, you know, a preacher can stir up a crowd or, or be a good enough speaker that because they're good enough with their natural skills, people are excited in the room and stirred up in the room because of what a man is doing. I genuinely want to have some services. I mean, genuinely want to have some services where it's like, we don't even need to get up. God's presence is so firm in that room. God's glory is so in that room that every single person is being ministered to, but it's not by a preacher with good notes. It's the spirit of God dealing with the hearts of every single man, woman, boy, or girl, where everybody in the room knows God is here right now. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, let's go look at that. Second Chronicles chapter 5, we see it in the Old Testament. Let's go see it in the New. Acts chapter 2, you know the story here, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Notice once again the unity. They were all together in one place. Uh, when we see the glory of the Lord fill the Old Testament house, you see the people dwelling together in unity. They're in one place. They have one heart. They're dwelling together. They're playing together. They're singing together. There's not anyone having to pull anybody else. They all want to go in the same direction. There's not anyone there not sanctified. There's not anyone there not coming from a holy place. Uh, They're not trying to create a holy place. They're coming from one. And out of that, in Acts, we see these people dwelling together in unity, contending for the promise of the Spirit. Jesus had prophesied, the Holy Spirit comes, and when he comes, it's not a baptism of water. It's a baptism of fire. And I tell you, when fire gets on you, you know it. (laughs) And, And out of that... Uh, He said that this baptism would be a baptism of fire, Jesus did. And to tarry, to wait, to dwell together until it did come. And on the day of Pentecost, they're there dwelling together. And watch what happens here in verse number one. They all were together in one place and suddenly the glory of the Lord comes in. There comes from heaven 
a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house, just like the glory of the Lord filled the house in the Old Testament. It's happened again in the New. What is it? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit, where they were all sitting. Notice, no one's preaching. There's no one pushing the thing. There's not a good bass player. They're just sitting, contending for this. And there appeared unto them, um, to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. Literally, when you look this up, what it means is, is like there was a flame that came in that room. All these tongues of fire putting together one flame and then it broke up. And when it broke up, watch what happens. Um, it broke up distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. I've been praying out that phrase repeatedly this year. Repeatedly, every head has a flame. Every head has a flame. And that's what I, I want to contend for this year is every head, every single person in our church has the flame of the Holy Spirit over their life. Every single one of them has the flame of the Holy Spirit in their life, which means it's not just something that they know, but it is something that they are experiencing that they are experiencing a true dynamic gospel, a gospel that is bringing sanctification, a gospel that is bringing deliverance, a gospel that is bringing freedom, a gospel that is bringing salvation in every sense of the word. Nothing missing, nothing broken. King Jesus breaking off every chain by the power of the Spirit. Uh, That nothing of hell has any part of you. That no sin can dwell because the Holy Spirit is so active in your life. It is burning it off that you lose your taste for sin. Like you just, you're, you're so in a service where the Holy Spirit just meets you so strong. You lose the taste for sin. You're so in a service that anything that hell has tried to put on you, that God just strips it off because every single head has a flame. This is what I feel like we are to contend for. This is why we have nights like this. This is why we gather together. This is why I'm here. This is why I want to I put on conferences like this and have revival nights. It's to create spaces where we can contend for the glory of God. That we genuinely will come in and see, like, I want to come from a holy place into this place. And and I want to genuinely begin to experience the Lord in a way that we are seeing the God of Paul be our God. That handkerchiefs and aprons are literally being taken out. And sicknesses and diseases are being driven out of people. And evil spirits are departing from them. I want to be in services where we're perceiving people have faith to be healed. And in that moment, people are healed right then and there. I genuinely want, I wouldn't mind having a service where we are so caught up in God that in, in prayer that the whole building shakes because we are there. Like I, I genuinely want something in your life where you don't just have a good teaching. You have an experience that you say, you know what? God is real. And we can debate all we want how old the earth is or Jonah in the well. But one thing we can't debate is he was blind, but now he sees. We need it. This generation needs it. I need it. 
Um, we see this phrase talked about throughout um, the, the New Testament, and I just kind of want to show it to you. They would often refer to this um, in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 16. They'll throw it up on the screens. Watch how Peter's framing uh, his, his doctrine here. For we did not follow cleverly devised tells when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. If you can leave that up there. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What he's talking about is we have seen miracles. We have seen the Lord. We have seen him in his power. We have seen him in his demonstration. We're not following this and we're not Christ followers simply because he taught us well. Uh, Acts literally starts with all Jesus began to teach and do. We did not just follow this because we had nice preachers who told us good stories and because they lived moral lives, we decided we wanted to live a moral life too and we followed Jesus. He's saying we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him. Did you see this is what Paul is talking about? That our faith cannot stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That out of that, there's got to be something at some point in our lives where it's like, you know what? We have seen God move. We have seen him move. We have seen an outpouring of his power. I want to see it. I want to see it in our generation. I want to see it in our lives. I want to see it in our services. That we're not just having really good, clever, clever messages, really clever examples, like with illustrated sermons. Thank God for clever messages. Thank God for things that are pieced together well. Thank God for pastors and myself. Thank God for me, who will take the time to formulate a good message. But it's got to be more than that. At some point, it's got to be more than that. At some point, it's got to be all the messages, they work, they work, they work, they work, that we have seen the Lord Jesus. Watch what John said in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. Watch his, how he writes to his audience. They're trying to convince them to be Christians. And they're saying like, no, 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 no. It's not that we have like heard good teaching. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Watch what he says in 1 John uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. What was from the beginning? What we have heard. What we have seen with our eyes. What we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. It was not just something they heard. It was the Lord Jesus that they touched. That, that it was something that they saw. That it was something that they witnessed. And you know what it did? It marked them. When they saw it, it marked them. And they could not walk away from it. And this is what we need. is We need to see things like this for our own faith. Because when you have a moment where you have fished all night and you have caught nothing and then the master gets in your boat and you catch so many fish, the nets are breaking and the boats are sinking and you drag it all back to the, 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 the seashore. When you get off the boat and you look at Jesus and you realize he's the one who's done it, you know what you do? Exactly what Peter did. You fall down on your knees and say, you truly are the savior. And this is what we need in our life is to see a God of miracles. This is what we must, we must, we must contend for. 
And, and, and this is what I want. I don't want every church to have a flame. The flame was not just in the room. The flame that was in the room split up and divided upon each head that every single person in the room, on their head, they had a flame. Every head had a flame. Every head was marked by the Spirit. Every head was marked by the power of God in their lives. And that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for me. Every head to have a flame that you have been marked. I have seen God. I I have handled a miracle. I see it before my eyes. And out of that, I believe because I I believe scripture. But I, I believe also because I have seen him move. Uh, I, I was reading this book the other day and it blessed me. Uh, if you're in ministry, I encourage you to get it big time. If you're you know, not in ministry, I still encourage you to get it. But if you're in ministry, it's required reading. And you might have to pay like a hundred bucks for it on Amazon because it's out of print now. But if you can get it, get it. Uh, it's by Donald G. It's the writings of Donald G. And it's the Pentecostal experience. Uh, experience. Pentecostal experience, the writings of Donald G. And out of that, he was talking about, you know, he was there with a lot of the healing revivals and all these things where people were experiencing just so much of God. Like literally they said in the healing revival, it was like healing was in the air. And so he's, he's like, these ministries of healing are just popping up and people are getting healed and all of these kinds of things are kind of coming and it's, it's just wonderful. Um, and so out of that, um, you know, in fact, I, I was telling them a story the other night. Um, I, I was buying this house, the house that we're in now. And the guy I was buying it from walked in the house I'd never been to before. And he walked in the house and he said, um, I hear you're a preacher. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you a preacher who preaches stuff? And I'm like, what do you mean by stuff? He said, like, Oral Roberts. And I'm like, well, I said, if you believe, like, in, in faith and believe that God still moves and he's a father and wants to, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, coach him in, like, in healing and that kind of thing, then, yeah, I believe in stuff and I, I preach stuff. And he said, Oral Roberts took all of my mama's money. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where is this going? I'm like, oh my gosh, so I'm, I, I can feel myself of like, okay, how am I going to witness to him in this moment? Like clearly, and he's like, you know, he can tell my face is melting uh, and that kind of thing, wondering like, Holy Spirit, activate now in Jesus name. Uh, so, <laughs> so he calls for his wife. You can ask my wife. Um, she was there. He calls for his wife and his wife comes over and she says, as soon as she sees him, she's like, forgive him, forgive him. Uh, and I can tell he is very eccentric, like very, 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 uh, you know, just a wild character, probably loads of fun. But he told his wife, he said, stop me at any time you hear me lie. And she said, okay. He said, when I was, I think he said he was 17, um, you know, 17 or 18. He said, I had a growth develop on my wrist. And he said, out of that, my mom saw it and she was concerned. He said, I was dating her, pointed to his wife. He said, we weren't married yet, but we dated all throughout high school and then got married. And she, my mom took me in Tennessee to an old Roberts camp meeting. And he said, my, my girlfriend went with me. My mom drug me down to the altar when he was praying for the sick. Just took me down to the altar. And, you know, my girlfriend went with me. It was now my wife. 
And my mom made me show him the growth on my wrist. And he said it was, you know, it was pretty substantial. And he said, that man anointed my wrist with oil. And he said, I kid you not, it disappeared before our eyes. And he said, ever since then, I've been a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, any preacher who, who preaches stuff like Oral Roberts can buy my house. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> and then he said, and after that, he took all my mama's money. <laughs> uh, so we talked about that. Um, but, but anyway, um, his faith was not just in something he heard. And anybody who tried to take that away from him could not do it. And same for his wife. She saw it. Same for his mom. She saw it. They handled the word of life. And so out of that, that kind of thing in the healing revival was happening all the time. And so G is writing about that. And what he tried to do is like teach a lot of people. Cause he said in the middle of that, like there was not a lot of Bible teaching. And so he gave this example and I thought it was pretty good. He said, the situation makes me think of crossing the great dominion of Canada. When crossing over the rich prairies, the wheat lands, and he names Saskatchewan and Alberta and all these places, all these lands that grow wheat. He said, the passengers almost always go to sleep. He said, all day long, I can look out my window and see wheat and more wheat. And when I wake up, there's still wheat. So I just doze off again. But then the train gets to Calvary. I can see the Rocky Mountains in the distance. And the railway puts on a special observation car. Everybody wakes up and stares at the great mountain. And we could not get a loaf of bread from it if we tried. The power of God is like this. It's the Rocky Mountains. Everyone will will gasp at it. But may the Lord also give us appreciation for the wheat fields, the teaching of the word of God. For the word of God is what sustains us. And I thought that was good. But it made me think, in our generation, it's completely switched. Like, I, I know, like when I look at the big mountains, they don't have any weed in there to feed me. And I also know it is critical for me to be around good Bible teaching because I can't draw necessarily wheat from the mountains and the, the wheat that I'm passing by every day in every service that I'm in, while I might not appreciate it, it is feeding me. And in that moment, it is sustaining me that necessarily the mountain won't sustain me, but, but I can stand in awe of it, but the wheat, it feeds me. And so thank God for services that are good wheat. And sometimes you may even forget what, what was, was taught and preached, but it fed you enough in that moment to just get you through that exact situation you were in and you were filled with God's word. But I'm telling you, there is something about not just being filled with wheat, but being able to stand in awe of something God has done in your life. And may God give us mountains to just gasp at. May God give us mountains to just stand and see these things. And what I've been really pressing in towards and what I want to end with tonight is what do we need to do to walk in it? And when I say we, 
I'll just say, what do I need to do to walk in it? What do I need to do to, to just see more and more of that in my life? And in searching this out, I really do see three things from both of these stories. Number one, everyone was in unity. And I'm telling you, where there is strife, there is every single evil work. And to tolerate strife is, I believe this fundamentally from scripture, to tolerate strife is to tolerate the manifest presence of the devil. When you see strife, just like God is love, Satan is strife. He is the spirit of Cain. He makes you not your brother's keeper. And when you see these things, you see these people were each other's brother's keeper. That out of that, I'm sure they had differences and I'm sure there were things they didn't like. But, but out of that, they kept a bond of unity and they kept a mutual honor for each other. And I'm telling you, faith works by love. Jesus's miracles came from a place of compassion. And if you want, and if I want to shut off the power of God from our churches and shut off the power of God from our lives, it's as easy as holding a grudge. It's as easy as walking in unforgiveness. We need to make a decision. There will be no offense in us. There will be no division among us. And it doesn't mean we all get along uh, and necessarily that way where we got to agree on everything. But it does mean there's a mutual honor for each and every one of us. And just because people are imperfect does not mean it gives me an excuse to dishonor them. Some people, even because of the office, are worthy of honor. And we see that even with Paul standing before the magistrate. He said, if I knew your office, I wouldn't have spoken like that. And out of that, we need to come and have a mutual unity. But there's two things also, the other two, that I just kind of want to take a moment to just stir us up on tonight. And the second one is this, prayer and praise. You see in both occasions, in in the, the, the chronicle story, as they begin to lift up their voices... It activated the Lord. As they begin to sing and praise, it activated the Lord. They're pressing into their presence with praise and worship, singing unto the Lord. In Acts, you see that before the Holy Spirit is poured out, they are praying continually. You see it in in Acts chapter 1. We'll, We'll still there. But watch this in verse 14, Acts 1 and 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers, continually devoting themselves to prayer, continually devoting themselves to prayer. And so what you see here, and this is very interesting to me, is their prayer that they were continually devoting themselves to put the fire in the room. And when the fire got in the room, then the fire got on each head. And if we're going to see God move in our services, we've got to be people who are praying for our services. We need to see the fire get in the room because in the room is where it's going to get on their head. And so out of that, we need to see that fire. But when that fire gets on your head, and this is why I'm bringing the responsibility to you, because there's so many people in here, probably 90% of you, you have seen the flame of fire come on your head. You are filled with God's Holy Spirit. But the, the river of the Spirit in you is rivers of living water. And you know what living water means? A lot of people don't know this. In the New Testament and Old Testament, you know what living water is? It's not like water is alive. It means it's moving. 
Anytime a river is in scripture, that's living water. You know why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea? It doesn't move. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, but there is no flow of the Holy Spirit out of you, you have become a Dead Sea instead of living water. And out of that picture, like the flame of fire on you, like the pilot light in a gas fireplace, is that flame is always there. That flame of fire, it is lit and it is ready to rock and roll. But until you turn the gas on, it has nothing to light up to give you a full picture of the fire that is always there because the flame has nothing to ignite. And what I'm saying is when the Holy Spirit, he's in the earth now, the Holy Spirit right now is in this room. He is in your life. There's a flame of fire there. I'm asking, am I giving him something to ignite? Am I giving him the gas to come in and ignite this thing to make a river of living water flow out of me? So I'm not just filled with the spirit in theory, but I am allowing the flow of the spirit to flow out of me with words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Come on now. Gifts of healings. All of these things that the Holy Spirit is supposed to give literally us all. And so what we have to do is to see the pilot light is lit because of what happened in the book of Acts. They tarried and the Holy Spirit has come. The pilot light is there for every single person who's accepted Christ. But there must be a flow out of you. There must be a living water flowing out of you. Bringing that over for the Holy Spirit to have something to ignite in your life. When I look at every single miracle that has happened in my life, what we're in right now, you hear me talk about it all the time. It is a miracle. This building given to us, this building paid off. This, I, I, I come by Highland Colony all the time. You know, I, do, I just weep. I cry. I'm like, God gave us that. He literally gave us that. And you know how it happened? That pilot light was lit and we were in staff prayer. And in staff prayer, we devoted ourselves continually to prayer. And we got together. And on one certain day, the Holy Spirit ignited with that gas we were given in prayer. And a picture of God's glory filled in prayer and then it filled in the earth. And now we are living in what we prayed for. We are walking out what we prayed out. And you look throughout scripture, almost every single move of God in, in, even in history was preceded that way is that there was praise and prayer spoken and sang out before God's glory was revealed in the earth. The pilot light is there. The gas hit it and a full picture, a full picture of the glory of God was revealed. A full picture of what God wanted to do was seen. And in our services and in our lives, what I want is simply more prayer. That the Holy Spirit is there as the pilot light. We've got to give him something to ignite. We've got to turn the gas on and we can't just sing. We got to worship. And we can't just sing. We got to praise. And we can't just talk. We got to pray. And we can't just speak. We got to confess. And really believe we are putting something out there for the Holy Spirit to ignite to give us the full picture of God's glory in the earth. And thirdly, and this is not a popular one, uh, but thirdly, we've got to be holy. They came from the holy place. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, he was called the Holy Spirit for a reason. And, And out of that, 
um, they were all moving from the holy place. I never noticed this before, but in John chapter 2, when Jesus performed his first miracle, go over there and look at it and we'll close. Mallory, you can come up. Ban, you can come up. Uh, and we'll, we'll pray this out and just get before the Lord. But watch this in John chapter 2, Jesus' first miracle. Verse number 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour is not yet come yet. And his mother said unto the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now watch this. I never noticed this in, in verse 6 until I was praying the other day. Now there were six water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification. For the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots up with water. And they filled them to the brim. What pots are they filling up? These are not six random pots sitting over in a corner somewhere. These were the pots that were used for the purification. And Jesus' first miracle... The first display of his glory in the earth was fill up the pots. What pots? The cleansing ones. Because in the Old Testament, you would go through a three-process event. You would have a cleansing, then you'd have a sacrifice, then you'd have a dedication. And what I feel like God's doing in the earth right now is he's saying, I'm bringing my power in a new way. I believe we're going to see God's glory like we have never seen it before. It said at the end of this, that this was the first of Jesus's miracles where he displayed his glory. The glory of the Lord filled their lives when they saw it. The glory of the Lord filled the room in, in Second Chronicles. The glory of the Lord filled the room in Acts 2. When did it happen in Jesus' ministry first? When the waters for cleansing were coming. They say that these waters had to be filled with living water. You couldn't draw it from a dead well or a dead sea. It had to come from a moving brook. The waters of the Spirit. Something that had to be filled up. The purification had to be filled up. And I feel like that there is a cleansing that is necessary in our lives. And I know I'm I'm trying to push that and I don't want it to come across as the law. We are not having to do something so that God will bless us. But one thing you do need to understand is your Bible started with a marriage and it ends with a marriage. We are the bride of Christ. And as the bride, I am purified for my groom. And out of that, I really do believe God is calling a standard of holiness to kind of come into the place. Because I believe what we have not seen in public is because what's been going on in secret. Because Jesus has promised us, I will reward your secret life with things publicly. But until these things in secret are dealt with, you will not see these things in public. Why? You don't go 200 miles per hour on icy roads. You can go to, you can run the speed test all you want when there's nothing on the road. 
But if you got something on the road and you try to speed, you're going to cause danger for you and everyone else around you. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. The power God is demonstrating in so way in so strong ways, it's going 200 miles per hour. And Ananias and Sapphira enter in with some, some, some ice on the roads. And they come in in the middle where God is moving that way with a lack of holiness in their life where they're lying. They're lying about what, what, what God you know, told them to do and what they're doing for God. And immediately the glory of the Lord was so strong there, it caught them. Read Acts 5, it caught them. And it did not go well for them. But the Bible says that the fear of the Lord, let's go over and read it. We're, we're right there. Go, go over and read it. Acts chapter 5. I really will close with this one. Acts 5, verse number 1. Watch the glory of the Lord here. But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. The church is going 200 miles per hour. The, the buildings are shaking. Miracles are happening. 200 miles per hour out of this they kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge bringing a portion of it he laid it at the apostles feet but peter said ananias why has satan filled your heart to lie to the holy spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land while it remained unsold you could have done whatever you wanted to with it after it was sold it was under your control you could have done whatever you wanted to with it why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart that you have lied not to men but to god and he heard these words ananias fell down and breathed his last and great fear came watch this great fear came over all who heard it the young men got up can you imagine this happening in service the young men got up and covered him up and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours and his wife came in not knowing what happened and Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such price. And she said, yes, that was the price. And Peter said unto her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Now watch this, who are they testing? With their actions and with their heart, who are they testing? To put the spirit of the Lord to a test. The spirit of the Lord. Behold, the same feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell out at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now watch this. Great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard these things. Now watch the very next verse. And at the hands of the apostles... Many signs and wonders were taking place among the people and they were all with one accord. You see, the, you see what I'm saying? All these things working together? They were all with one accord. But none of, of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. All the more believers in the Lord and multitudes of men and women were constantly being added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at the very least, his shadow might fall on any one of them. Where is this? Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits. And watch this. They were all being healed. Like the power of God was in a shadow. 
Everyone's getting healed. There's something there though. What was it? The fear of the Lord. God was taking that church 200 miles per hour. When they hit ice, it slid out. You know why we're only going 30? There's so much ice in the road, God can't take us any faster. So he takes us the speed he can. The fear of the Lord is not like God's going to get me if I miss it. The fear of the Lord is like driving down a road and you see a police officer. He might not even pull you over, but you adjust your behavior. Why? You just, Lord, help us. You just became aware of his presence. You just knew he might be watching. And he didn't even have to turn on the lights. You just knew. You saw him. And so when you saw him, you adjusted what you did. And God is writing to the church at Corinth. He's like, what? Know ye not that your body is the spirit of God, is the temple of God and the spirit of God does dwell in you? The fear of the Lord is just being mindful that God is with me 24-7. That flame of fire is there and he will never leave me nor forsake me. But one thing I sure can do, I can grieve him. I can grieve him with my pride. I can grieve him with my lie. I can grieve him with the way I treat people. I can grieve him with the way I talk about him. And when I become aware that he is there, I adjust my behavior. Not because I'm afraid he's going to pull me over. But because I want to be his bride. And I don't want to associate with anything, anything in any way that would stop intimacy between us. And so out of that, what what I I want to call us us to is just this hunger for unity, a hunger for prayer, and a hunger for holiness. A hunger for sanctification, a hunger for the flame to purify us before it speaks through us. A hunger for, for what we're doing in private to just be pleasing unto his sight. For in the Lord's house, there are many vessels. Some that he will use for great things and others that will be used for minimal things. But I want to say, Lord, here we are. Use us. We want to see your power in our midst. And when we say that, we don't just want to see it in church. We want the flame to be on each one of us. Imagine being in your workplace and getting a word of knowledge. Imagine sitting there getting your hair cut. And when you do, the Lord tells you something about your your hairdresser that makes them see God sees them. And all of a sudden they're weeping when you talk about it. Sitting there, do you you sing? Yeah, I, I sing. The Lord would love it if you would sing to him. He misses when you do that. Had an encounter like that the other day. All of a sudden, tears are there. Moments are there. The Lord is speaking. The flame of fire is making God very real to somebody. Lord, we need it. And I tell you, we don't just need it. I want it. I want it. 
And so what, what I feel led and inspired to do tonight is let's just have a moment where we consecrate ourselves, that we develop this as a holy place, because I, I really do believe that these services will grow. And I'm not talking about attendance. Honestly, I don't care. What I'm talking about growing is growing in what he is able to give us. I want to increase our capacity to receive from him. And I want us to come from a holy place and interact with a Holy Spirit. And I want you to bring something back to your family that is holy. God was so strong in Acts, they came together and they're like, we need to burn some stuff. I can remember being in, in uh, uh, youth camps where it's like, burn the CDs! And then you get home and it's like, why did we do that? It got you here. <laughs> what, what needs to burn? What needs to go? Others may, you may not. What needs to go? Amen. Let's stand our feet or you can stay seated. Whichever one you want to do, team, come on up.